Drinks, food, art, fun. This is Hops and Spirits Kentucky. Welcome into episode 75 of Hops and Spirits Kentucky. We've been talking about all things drinks, food, art, fun, and more in Kentucky since the end of 2021. That's right. We've been around for a little while. And uh, it's a fun way to celebrate two episodes 75 as we have two conversations for your two Q&As. Uh, both in the festival realm as we talk with the Kentucky Bourbon Festival and the folks behind Bourbon and Beyond and Louder Than Life in Louisville. But first, what's pouring Kentucky? Some news and notes around the state. A new Oktoberfest celebration, Steins on Main, is coming to the downtown repurposed lot in Louisville on Saturday, September 30th. Traditional Barbarian Festival will host seven local breweries and have German-inspired food and games and music. Proceeds from the free event will benefit the Coalition for the Homeless. After a four-year hiatus, Seven Cents Festival is back on the scene, bringing together the best from each cultural corner of Louisville, be it bands, restaurants, or visual art. The fest is scheduled to take place on Friday and Saturday, August 5th and 6th at Headliners Music Hall. Buzzard's Roost Sipping Whiskies wants you to name its 75-gallon pot still at its new Whiskey Row location there in Louisville. The brand is asking fans to enter its Name Our New Still contest, which ends on Monday, August 7th. The winning moniker will be announced at a grand opening party on Thursday, August 17th. For details and to enter, check out their post on their Facebook page, then you can fill out the form. The weekday Lexington Farmers Markets will need to find a new home in 2024. With the high street development beginning soon, the Tuesday and Thursday markets on the corner of of Broadway and Maxwell will have to move. National Avenue is in talks to be its new location, but nothing is finalized yet, according to the Herald Leader. The Cold Brew Coffee Festival, though, will return to the downtown Lexington Farmer's Market on Saturday, August 19th, and feature tasting specialty drinks and the option to vote for your favorite summery caffeinated beverage. And thanks to a countywide wet status in Madison County, Richmond's Dreaming Creek Brewery will expand its operations. The craft brewery plans to open a brewing facility in Taproom at 207 North Broadway Street in Berea, it's expected to open at least part of the space sometime this year. Up next, you get not one but two Q&As for our 75th episode. First, we chat with David Mandel, chairman of the Kentucky Bourbon Festival, coming to Bardstown this September. Then we chat with Holly Dosher of Bourbon and Beyond and Louder Than Life in Louisville, happening this September as well. Cheers. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for our Q&A this week, he's the chairman of the Kentucky Bourbon Festival and the former co-founder and CEO of Bardstown Bourbon Company. Welcome in, David Mandel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you, you hopping on. Uh, I think we have a lot of fun things to to talk about with those roles in Bardstown. You're also with Kentucky Owl. Uh, as well, and, and doing so many cool things in the industry, and obviously the Bourbon Festival coming up in September. But before I get to all those questions, I always like to do this and call up the cliff notes. Just a little bit about yourself, not too much, because like I said, I got some good questions to ask. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you, uh, thank you for having me on. It's you know wonderful uh, to be able to talk to you and your listeners. It's great. Thanks, thanks so much for doing it. Uh, my quick background: I grew up in Philadelphia, went to school in St. Louis, came back to Philadelphia for law school. Practiced law, ended up in Washington, D.C. in government, and started a vodka company in the early 2000s. Uh, from there, got into whiskey, moved out to Bardstown in 2013, started Bardstown Bourbon Company. Uh, we sold that about a year ago and have done some really great work with Kentucky Allen. Of course, we have another really exciting project that is underway uh, that you'll be finding out more about later this year. Uh, but 
uh, one of the most rewarding things that I've done is had the opportunity to lead a Kentucky Bourbon Festival and help recreate and reshape that. Well, and, and it's cool to see what you guys have done there, and, and and we'll get to that in a second. But it's interesting your journey into the the alcohol industry. How did you uh, how did you go from vodka to whiskey? How did you get into all uh, that? Well, I'm without too long of a story. Um, we were. Uh, it was actually quite funny. I was with Dan Lind, who was another co-founder of Bardstown Bourbon Company, who's was the CFO, and is um, we had worked together for many years with my college roommate, and uh, we were drinking. Red Bull and vodka one night in Los Angeles at the Sky Bar at the Mondrian. And we said to each other, like, why can't we just make alcohol that doesn't make you tired? <laughs> it's a great, like, great idea. And so um, as it turned out, you could do it. Nobody was doing it. And so we launched that company um, in 2006 out of a two-bedroom apartment, Lower East Side of New York in Stuyvesant Town. And we learned, uh, we learned the business. We learned the branded spirits business from, you know, from the ground up. And, and that was the beginning of the adventure. And then obviously getting into whiskey and coming to Kentucky and things like that, that I feel like that's another journey because vodka and some of the clear spirits are one thing, but the aging process and everything with the whiskey world is a little bit different. It really is. And, you know, it was funny after we sold a vodka company, Dan and I did a lot of consulting, which is actually ultimately how uh, we got, um, to founding Bardstown Bourbon Company. But before that, we got, we actually first got into whiskey, um, being uh, early, very uh, early uh, involvement in what ultimately became Hillhaven Lodge, which was a project with Brett Ratner and Diageo that came out um, in 2017 timeframe. And so um, we actually were, were the first consultants on that project long before Diageo and uh, really pushed um, Brett Ratner to get uh, into whiskey. Originally, they wanted um, at the time to have that uh, product focused on rum, but um, it, that's where we started really seeing it. We saw this was 2009 timeframe. Uh, we got very involved in it. Dan and I both looked at the market and we said, you know, like it's very clear actually where it's going. Um, this was in the, the, what I would call the first, first boom. And, um, and so that's, where we really became interested and saw uh we, we believe that was the next big opportunity which is what you know led me and led us to bardstown and i moved there you know first started going there in 2013 um so it has been an exciting adventure i'll tell you <laughs> i was gonna say what's it like you know working with bardstown bourbon company obviously being on the ground floor floor of its launch um and then obviously kentucky owl and, and, and things like that how's it to be part of those type of things it's really incredible. I mean, Bardstown Bourbon Company is, a, you know, is a story for uh, another time in terms of all of its details. You could write a Harvard business case. You could write a novel on the founding of that company. And so, um, but, you know, I came there in 2013 and stood in that field at the end of, it was the end of 2013 and then early 2014 when we really got into it before anything was built. Uh, we, we had originally at the time a vision to do a small, distillery but then as we looked at the market we saw the opportunity to do custom whiskey production you know we created um the collaborative distilling program that was you know designed and developed uh, as we were building the facility in 2015 we started having that idea in the beginning of 2016 actually re rejiggered things so we could begin doing it but um that was a big idea at the time nobody was doing complete custom whiskey production in kentucky MGP being the biggest, you know, uh, player in the market at the time, but not really doing true, you know, custom production where you could, 
make anything, talk about it. It was open, you know, celebrated. It was a very different concept. And so that was the origin. But it, it very, very quickly evolved as uh, we got into it and saw this is great opportunity to tell a story about being about the entire community of whiskey, about celebrating all whiskey and bourbon. We're malproducing it for everybody else. Like, let's create an experience where everybody comes together. Let's blend together. Let's distill together. Let's produce together. Let's enjoy together. Let's build a restaurant. Like, this is how it evolved. It, it wasn't like we came there. We're like, here's the idea. <laughs> it was. It was about living there, eating, breathing, building the business as entrepreneurial as you can get. And it was about an incredible team that came together at this moment in time and did it. You know, it was. You know, myself, Dan Lynn, Garnett Black, these are names you don't hear much in the story anymore, but this was the story of the founding of Bardstown. You know, obviously Steve Nally, but there were some real players in there that formed a critical foundation of that that don't get told. And then of course, Tom Croom, John Hargrove took our distilling operation to the next level. What you see there is his doing. And then of course, um, you know, the whole initial beverage team, Dan Calloway, Samantha Montgomery. I mean, you know, her significant other hobby. I mean, you had these incredible people and then on the production side, but these are the stories that don't always, these don't get told. And these are the stories about like how a team like this is built to create something like that. Well, and like you said too, you, you, I think this leads perfectly into kind of what you're doing be, because the Bourbon Festival is a collaborative thing. It's a celebration of of so much in, in the industry, and it's it's been able to grow so much. How did you get involved with the Kentucky Bourbon Festival, and why did you get involved? <laughs> <laughs> so the real story on that, um, I um, I was uh, very involved in the community from the moment we got there. And so one of the most important things in building Bardstown, like we came and we had this vision. First of all, we were the first new distillery in a hundred years in Bardstown. It was really amazing when you think about it. And as you look at what has grown and what has come after. And so when we sort of started talking about this, we had an incredible relationship with the, the leaders of, Bar of the Bardstown community, the mayor at the time, former county judge executive, Kim Houston, head of economic development. And it was, they were hearing what we were saying, but there was also a question like, how like believable is this? Because, you know, there are many projects that you hear announced every week that don't ever actually get off the ground. I and mean, how many times have we seen like some great drawing or some announcement? They're coming all the time, but like, do they actually make it? Like, it's one thing announcing it. It's one thing building it. It's one thing operating it. Like, it's totally different. And again, you know, uh, they believed in us. We had, you know, a great team and we pulled it off. But, you know, when we got involved in that, it was really about um, getting involved in the community. The Bourbon Festival was a really important piece of the history of Bardstown, and it, it needed to evolve. Let's put it that way. It, it started as one thing, and by the time 30 years later, it had really not evolved along with the industry. And so, like anything, it has to change. And so I'd gone to the Bourbon Festival. We participated in every year. I lived in the community. I had my beliefs about how we could really turn this into something great. And then we got to the point where um, there was a leadership change at the Bourbon Festival. The, there was nobody really that was able to run it at that point. The festival was basically bankrupt. I mean, most people didn't know this. And we had uh, the head of tourism, who was great, who stepped in to like hold it together. And it just coincided with when I stepped back as CEO of Bardstown Bourbon. And they said, well, you know, you've been complaining about this long enough. Why don't you become chairman of the festival? So they go, okay, 
great. Famous last words, right? <laughs> yeah, but it was really wonderful. And I said, I'll do it under a couple of conditions. One, that we really get to look at it. We, if we're going to fix it, we're going to fix it. We're going we're gonna to do it the right way or we shut it down. Now, believe me, it was too... It's too grave an opportunity to shut it down. Shutting it down would mean it went away. Now it would have gone away had we not fixed it. It was it would have gone away because the distilleries could no longer support old festival because it wasn't about money. It was about it, it, bourbon had evolved to the point where you have you you need to have for the distilleries to come spend an entire weekend set up all these booths, be able to serve bourbon, which they weren't doing actually at the bourbon festival. That was done off site to a much smaller group of people. They, you have to bring in new people. They've got to expose their brands. Otherwise, how do you take the entire team out of the market to do this, to show the product to the same people that came for 30 years, right? That's not brand development. So um, we did that. We made those changes. We first, we hired somebody that ran festivals before. And that was Randy Prossy, ran, built Gettysburg Craft Beer Festival, ran the Wisconsin State Fair, ran operations at Derby. We then restructured the board. We start restructured the charter. We created a new mission. So it was clear the mission of the Bourbon Festival is to promote Kentucky bourbon and Bardstown as the bourbon capital of the world. Clear mission. And so with that, we then created a festival that the distillers would recreate the wheel. You go look at what a great wine and food festivals have. Well, usually have one ticket price, inclusive sampling. You have like in a great location where you're typically outside and you can really interact with people. It's got to be 21 and older. Like that's pretty important, right? If you're going to, mm -hmm. so like these were the things. And so um, with that model, uh, we built uh, what we said was going to take five years to get us to where we really believe. We're now uh, three years into it. Um, and so we made massive, massive roads forward. And one of the biggest ones we now have, we had 11 distilleries participating in the past. We have now almost 60 from Kentucky or the produce and bottle in Kentucky. We now have of the ticket holders, because they didn't sell it. I mean, this is the first time it was ticketed in the venue like this. 75% of the people now are from out of state. That's a huge deal. Um, and we've now built an incredible experience. We're upgrading the food, we're improving the VIP, the VIP, the VIP tickets sold out in three minutes this year, almost 700 tickets, three minutes, like Taylor Swift. Uh, so it's great. And we have an, we have an amazing team and a tremendous amount of support um, for the well, festival. Well, and, and like you said, you know, folks will get to actually come and sample, you know, the, there are some, some tickets still, still available. And, and how important, like you said, how important was it to not only allow the sampling, but now there, like you said, there's upwards of nearly 60 to, to sample from, which obviously gives a variety that folks may not have been able to try at other times. Yeah. Well, and here's even better. So like, as we keep doing these things, we work with the legislature, the KDA, got the law changed so that you can sell bottles at the festival. That's like huge. That was first year last year. People haven't, people and distilleries have not yet uh, fully understood. Um, it's not, no, understood is not the right word. It's have not fully yet taken advantage of that flexibility. It's coming. So this is a shopping experience. And so the distilleries now after last year, so if you have a DSP, distilled spirits permit you can um sell your bottles directly from your location that means you can decide what you want to sell you can bring out really interesting stuff you could bring out mainstream stuff you could bring out 
highly allocated things. You can create marketing experiences like people are coming to get what they can't get anywhere else, right? So releases, bottle releases, and you, your opportunity. I think you can you can buy each individual. It's like nine bottles a day per distillery. It's like you, you know, it's a lot. And then if you don't have a distilled spirits permit, we have partnered with Evergreen Liquors, and we actually have so they have set up a store so that you can get their products through them. So like everybody that is at the is you know is sampling at the lawn um, on the you know, at the festival has an opportunity to sell bottles in one shape or another. Well, and, and, and that's awesome. And that's, that's so cool because a lot of times on this show or our review show, we always talk about the importance of trying to sample things, but before you buy and, and so forth. So you actually really get to know what you're spending your, your hard earned dollars on. And I think what's also cool is to help you be able to sample all day long. Uh, you need some good food. And I know you guys have partnered with the Louisville uh, food truck association, which is yes. pretty cool. So we look every year and the way we've kind of built our, you know, our focus on this is, you know, you could, you could look at the festival every year and be like, we have a million things we have to improve. You always could like, they always could. And there's a million ideas, but you can't boil the ocean. And so what we have done a very systematic process since we started uh, restructuring the festivals, we pick three to four things each year. We say like, these are the primary focus areas, right? So we, we get that information based on surveys, you know, on direct feedback from all the vendors, the customers, and then we make those changes. This year, the focus areas are food. Like we knew we needed, we needed to do a better job on the food side. Bardstown's a challenging area to get a lot of, you know, food opportunities because the restaurants in town, now that we're bringing so many people in, are slammed. So they can't run their restaurants and put satellite restaurants in the festival. So then the other opportunity is food trucks now with COVID, uh, when we relaunched the festival the first year, we really got jammed because um, we had the vaccine mandates went in. And then all of a sudden the food trucks was like two weeks before and like most of the food trucks dropped out. Um, and so that was that challenge that, that year. So then we started rebuilding it back last year. And then this year where we went out, as we saw, we negotiated with the church to get their entire parking lot, which is adjacent to the festival. We're building a culinary court tented with all the food trucks and other uh, food opportunities around it, all seating inside. And it's open to both the community, so it's open to the public, and it's also a you know direct direct pathway in from the festival. So you can walk in, scan in, eat, sit down, and then come back into the festival. So this is a major step forward on the culinary side. Then in the other areas, we're dramatically improving and expanding our VIP uh, tent and area, continuing to improve that and the opportunities there. Uh, we are working very hard on increasing the exposure for the bottle sales. Another really major thing, and all merchandising uh, in the uh, the whole shopping experience uh, in the festival. And then the last piece is just overall kind of layout and some of the logistics and tightening a number of those things up. Well, and, and like you said, there's something new each and every every time, and every and, and folks like you said because they'll get a wristband and they'll be able to come in and out right as well. So that's what's really neat about the way the festival works. So your ticket, it's one ticket. It lasts for all weekend. So it's three days. People are like, why can't I come one day? It's, you don't even think of it that way. You want to come one day, it's one day. It's a great, I mean, for, again, like if you bought your tickets early, you had a special price if you bought last year and you bought early, but your regular three-day admission for each day, for all three days, one ticket is $185. It includes all your sampling. Um, and so why we did that is so you can come in, 
there's different educational events each day. There's different, you know, different seminars and speakers. You can come in, come go to what you want at the festival and go out to the distilleries, go see them because people are coming in for the weekend. Then come back in, go to a beam event in the afternoon or a rabbit hole event in the afternoon or, and then go back out. So it's designed so that this is, you know, it's a festival where you're coming in, you're going out, you're going to the communities, you're going out to dinner, you're coming back in. Um, and it's really vibrant. It's right in the center of Bardstown and the bourbon capital world. And it's all in walking distance to everything. Well, it's a perfect weekend, I think, for, for many, many folks. And for those that maybe didn't get a ticket or, you know, maybe they have some young ones and, and can't go, there are a few outside events, right, including the uh, barrel rolling relay event that's pretty cool. So wonderful. So the International Barrel Rolling Competition is one of like the, the gems of the Bourbon Festival. And again, like everything else, it needed to evolve over time. And so one of the things that we did as a board, too, is we looked at the events where we said, we don't need to micromanage things, right? And there was a lot of that in the past. Bourbon Festival had to control all the outside events. You know, you could only have certain events on Friday night, on Saturday night. The festival had to take a portion of those dollars, manage them, say, look, we're not, we're getting out of that business. We're going we're gonna to focus on the festival, on bringing all the right people here that you want, you know, as an economic catalyst also for this industry and for this community. It's going to shop, stay, go out. We'll bring them here. It's going to be up to everybody else to figure out outside the festival, you know, what you want to make of that. So we're going to let the free market determine it. So the distilleries now you're seeing, they're, they're having events in the evening. They're having events in the afternoon. It could be 30 person. It could be 50 person. And then the, the barrel rolling competition was one that we, that we gave back to Independence Day. So we gave them, uh, we gave them the, the, the control of it. And so he so said, you, you, you are now responsible for upgrading it improving it, building it. And so they're focused on turning that into a world-class experience. So you're going to see over the next several years, the production value of that, um, of that, because it is so much fun. You've got teams, the train, you know, the, the barrel rolling teams, you know, the, the warehouse teams that train internally all year. Um, you know, they pick who's on the team. It's like really fun. Then they come out and compete. And so that's open to everyone. And uh, it's really a great event. And so you're going to see a lot of development around the production value, the excitement, kind of the entertainment side of that event over the next several years with Independence Day um, owning and running it. Well, well, like I said, so, so much has changed. And and with that mindset, obviously, if people have gone in the past, whether that was last year, year before or even further back, why should they come back and, and see it again? It's different every year. And so if you had gone to the festival before the changes before we began um you know evolving the bourbon distillery it's a totally different festival it's a different experience definitely you got to come check it out um and if you came last year you're going to see every year of the festival you're going to see uh different experiences the the distillers are creating different experiences there's different educational you know opportunities nothing is uh repeated from that standpoint so um, it's a great, it's a great weekend. It's a great time of the year. And Bardstown is a community that um, is so much fun uh, to come see. And so uh, what I would say is, well, you know, our VIP tickets sold out in three minutes Our you know, single day, I mean, our, our weekend pass, uh, the, the, the main ticket, there's not much left. I would predict that these, this will be sold out by the beginning of August, because what happens is you go on sale. It was like, okay, I'm going to wait. The VIP tickets go fast. All the other event stuff goes fast. But like 
every day these are selling you know we watch them and so you'll see soon that kind of countdown because we're getting there it's getting very low so if you're thinking about it uh you know get your tickets and you know much of the lodging in bardstown is sold out but you can go 15 20 minutes um you can go to elizabethtown you can go to shepherdsville you can book hotel rooms um you can get you know affordable lodging just you know come on out and if you're smart, plan ahead for next year in 2024. Absolutely. <laughs> best way to plan ahead is to get on uh, the mailing list. So you go to kybourbonfestival.com, register, get your email in. You also get early subscriber access to the tickets. You're first to be notified. You get a discount, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, get on the mailing list. Well, I was going to say, like you said, perfect opportunity there for next year. Still a chance to get tickets this year, but don't wait around. And David, thank you so much for talking Bourbon Festival, the Kentucky Bourbon Festival and bourbon, because who doesn't love talking drinks? <laughs> uh, it's the best. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Joining us for a Q&A, she is the Director of Marketing for Danny Wimmer Presents, who's behind Bourbon and Beyond and Louder Than Life in Louisville and many other festivals around the country. Welcome in, Holly Dosher. Dosher? Dosher, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you, Holly, for, for for taking the time. And before we get into the, the events that are happening in Louisville in, in September, I always call this part the cliff notes a little bit about yourself. Not too much, because like I say, I always have a few other fun questions to ask. A little about me. I'm in Southern California. I live in San Diego. I got into the concert business kind of unorthodox. I feel bad saying this. I know a lot of people work really hard or try really hard to get their foot in this industry. Um, my friend's mom works for a destination management company. So not quite in the live festival or concert business, but they produce private events for clients all the time. Um, she was looking for a receptionist and that's how I got my start and kind of just crawled the ladder from there and poached company to company and came from live nation to Danny Wimmer presents. And now I'm home. Well, and, and I was going to say, you know, obviously getting into the concert business, what what was it that you wanted to do about that? Because, yes, it's fun to to be at the events where people always think, well, I just get to go to events. But there's a lot more that goes on than just that. <laughs> um, when I started, it wasn't that I was actually seeking to get into this industry. It kind of fell into my lap. Um, don't get me wrong. I love concerts and I love music. My dad is a drummer and I've been around music since I was before I was born, my mom's stomach, stomach, but um, it's not something I envisioned for my career. If I would go back to my high school me, I was probably going to be a psychologist or a dental hygienist. So it's not exactly like I strive to get into this industry. My friend's mom's company happened to work in events and I had a lot of events at House of Blues and naturally it just came into discussions working with their team when someone was on maternity and then that's really when I got my itch, though, and knew that that's where I wanted to be was once I was immersed into the concert business and working at a venue around concerts 24 seven, um, you know, working behind the scenes, it's not always rainbows and like that energy It's a lot of blood, sweat and tears and a lot of hard work, but you get the best feeling. It's like a itch you can't scratch the first time you've worked from like set up to like like ide ideation to fruition I guess um when you get to see the event that you've produced and marketed for six plus months come to life it's pretty incredible and seeing everyone around there like enjoying the best times and the fruits of your labor it's just an amazing feeling 
Well, and I was going to say, you know, for those that may not understand the, the festival, it's not like this is an overnight thing that you guys put together. How long does it take to put a festival on? Does it pretty much start as soon as, you, you know, the, the one ends in this year, you're already beginning planning for the next next year? We start before we even set foot on site for a festival. So we're already booking headliners for 2024 for all of our events. So it's we start well before the festival even takes place. We already are starting to look at dates, secure dates with venues. Um, so it's a never-ending flywheel. <laughs> and what, what's your favorite part of, of these events? Obviously, it's one thing when it's it's done and you can see everything, but is there just a certain part that you just love, love that you, for, for whatever reason that is? The camaraderie, um, especially with our rock festivals, it's you know, home for a lot of people, they choose to come to our events instead of vacations year round. So instead of going to the Bahamas, they save up to come to, if we're speaking Louisville, louder than life. And they come year after year. They identify with the venue, like the, the festival itself. It's louder than life. They're the loud mouths. Um, they have an affinity with it. And same with bourbon and beyond. If you're a bourbon connoisseur or you love food and music and all three of those combined, it's something you look forward to every year. Well, in speaking of, of those events, you know, obviously one of the biggest that I think you guys put on is Louder Than Life. I believe, uh, you know, four days, 170,000 people. What's it like to put on an event of that scale? Uh, madness, but the best kind of madness there is. Um, <laughs> you know, we work with over 90 to 100 bands over those four days. So it's securing, working, orchestrating the lineup with them before we even announce, getting all of their asset collections, admat approvals which is not the easiest process. It's really funny when people are on social media, like drop the lineup now. It's not that hard. We know you have it. So much good work goes into it from our creative team and talent team and marketing side to then our operations team. We like to call it a relay race, really, um, where all of our departments are sim simultaneously working together, but pass the baton for when is their time to shine. So it's, you know, right now it's talent working on 2024 when it goes from, 2024 talent they pass it to marketing when it's time to announce a festival then we pass it back to kind of back and forth between talent and operations and work simultaneously with each other but marketing is selling tickets and spreading the word and the awareness of the festival then our operations and experience team really going to make that come to life and the event happen and based off the experience that fans have on site helps that relay with just keep going and passing the baton back for the next year so do you guys ever take a break <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know for those that are, are looking at going to, to louder than life uh this year what, what can they expect uh for the 2023 uh edition it is our biggest lineup to date we have food fighters we have green day which is new for us and we're super excited uh full event sevenfold it's unreal the lineup stacked um it's america's largest rock festival so between that our activations with our partners and it's also the world's largest whiskey festival. So spinning off of the bourbon aspect, we also have a lot of great whiskeys on site. So it makes it to where we can get really loud. <laughs> I, I, that's a, a great combination. And then, like I said, you kind of have those two back-to-back. -back. You got also bourbon and beyond. What can folks expect at that one? Because it's not exactly louder than life. It's not. So it's the eight biggest days in music in the country. So back-to-back -back weekends, four-day festivals each. Um, Bruno Mars, The Killers, The Black Keys, Brandy Carlisle returning as a headliner. We had our last year and she had a phenomenal performance. Um, but Bourbon and Beyond is really eclectic for someone that likes a lot of flavors of everything. So we're literally music, food, and bourbon. 
Um, and if bourbon's not your thing, we have, we partnered with 1 million strong to have a sober tent as well, or you can just enjoy a festival and watch the food programming and watch your favorite bands. Well, and I was going to say, obviously with bourbon and beyond, it, it goes a little bit beyond <laughs> pun intended, I guess, um, you know, with, you have the food and you, you have the bourbon as well. What's it like to kind of add that to a festival? Cause it's one thing to be booking the bands. It's another than to have this side thing where you, you can go try bourbon, see bourbon, you know, learn about it and also see culinary experiences too. So taking a step back, you know, the Danny is the owners of our company. Um, we have Danny Wimmer, who is the founder, and Danny Hayes, who's the CEO, fell in love with Louisville, and they really wanted to pay homage to it. Um, going through, like, they, they have a love for bourbon, too. Um, so really showcasing their palates and the partnerships and what the city has to offer um, and the culinary aspect. So they've partnered with Chef Edward Lee year after year and Anthony Lamas. Um and partnering with other local and celebrity chefs as well to create um, programming so that people can come watch. You know, if you're a Food Network junkie, we had Chef Chris Santos last year doing programming with some of your favorite artists. So you have mashups where the artists that are performing musically love food too. Everybody loves food. Um, so we had some really interesting collabs last year. Um, we also did the Always Sunny podcast live taping, which was I'm a big It's Always Sunny fan. So for me, it was awesome. I've never seen a tent like the Big Bourbon Bar packed, as packed as it was for It's Always Sunny. Um, but they came and they did some culinary activations too last year. Um, same with Jen on the Burn, Bourbon and Beyond lineup. She came and did some stuff as well. So you got to see a lot of collaborations. And, and I'm guessing folks that come back uh, this year will see some something similar, but maybe with different folks. We'll have more announced soon. We typically announce our musical lineup first. Um, that is one of the biggest draws is the performances. Um, it is got music nonstop. We are primarily a music festival, but that is the beyond. So it's the bourbon elements and the culinary. Um, we typically announce the programming about a month before the festivals. So stay tuned. I can't share too much, but uh, we will have some exciting things coming. That, that that is awesome and i'm always curious too like you said it's the eight biggest days in, in music and to put on back-to-back -back festivals in the same city i mean yes there's a little window of break uh but how difficult is that or, or is it easier to do it back to back in the same spot <laughs> um in one vein it's easier in another it's harder and it depends on the scale of the festival so when it's two four-day festivals back to back it is easy but when you go to a model like um, in Sacramento, we have two back-to-back -back festivals as well. We have a rock festival and a country music festival. Um, one is four days, our rock festival, or is country music festival is two days. So we have to substantially shrink our site from a festival to a two-day. So it's a quick flip in between events, whereas most of our footprint in Louisville between Bourbon and Beyond and Louder Than Life stays relatively the same. We might have some partners switch out that we're not at one, but are at the other. Um, and we try to find use for the stages. So last year we had six performance stages at Louder Than Life and Bourbon and Beyond is the weekend prior. So the two culinary and bourbon stages that we had programming on became our Twitch stage where we had a battle of the bands, Twitch performance bands um, type aspect. So we didn't do a live battle of the bands at Louder Than Life, but we did programming on our Twitch show leading up for about six months prior to the festival. Bracket style of chat fan, but base votes to get on the lineup. 
Well, so so no matter what, you're you're still using it all, and and I guess at the end of the day, what what is it that you guys clearly love about Louisville that you're able to have these two massive things there? Because um, it, it is kind of unique to to be able to put that on. Uh, again, the Dannys and our team fell in love with Louisville visiting it years and years and years ago, and it's just coming to bring and share our love of Louisville um, with the community and the rest of the country. It's not something you would think that Louisville would be a destination. You know, I'm a Southern Californian kid, have never really lived anywhere else. Um, so before I'd actually been to Louisville, I didn't quite understand it. I always loved the lineup. So that's a big attraction, but going and visiting the city is huge for us. Um, because ever since I went there now, when you have those and you have the eight biggest days in music, you also have a week in between the two festivals or at least a few days um, to go and explore all the different museums and distilleries and good food it has to offer. It's just got such a good charm to it. And, you know, for those that are, are thinking maybe, you know, they're like, okay, I like the lineups, but I don't know. Why, why should they they, they pull, pull the trigger, go for it and buy a ticket to see the Louder in Life, Bourbon and Beyond, or, you know, maybe, maybe both? both. Um. Truthfully, it is up to if you like that experience, you know, festivals are a commitment, especially a four day festival. Um, so it's, we always say this to fans too, it is not an arena or stadium tour to where you can just go for one night. It is an all day event. Typically doors are from, you know, it's, we have, we have hours of about 12 hours of performances and activation doors are 11. We perform until 11 or it might fluctuate. Um, but if you're looking for that kind of experience and you do like festivals and you do like walking around and seeing different activations and vendors and what they do to put their pride into it outside of just music. So you're a music junkie. You want to explore new music. Um, you know, you like at least three of the bands, but you want to, you know, enhance your palate musically and literally with both alcohol <laughs> and food for the festival for you. I, I love that. And that, that is awesome. And I know in the past, you know, Danny Wimmer did the, the craziness and tried to do three festivals in a row there at Louisville with hometown rising. And I'm sure you guys get asked this a lot and I don't know what you can tell me on it, but will that ever happen again? Or is that one folks just need to stay tuned on? You know, I'm not someone that will say never um, because I've thought things would never happen again. And they do. Um, not necessarily just in our festival space, but just in life. So I'm never going to say never, but right now we don't have plans to bring it back. At least uh, this year, obviously it's in, it would be in two months if it was, we're two months out from Bourbon and Beyond today, um, but we're next year right now. It is not on the docket. But you never with know it. Said, never. I, I never say never. Um, with that said, we have started booking our lineup for Bourbon and Beyond leaning more country last year this year not as much but we have you know midland on the lineup this year um but last year we had chris stapleton so we we, we do try to book it to where it has something for everyone and that, that is true like you said i i feel like i'm gonna date myself it feels like when my ipod would shuffle through and i guess now it's my spotify playlist minute which it shuffles through like songs and you get a little bit of everything there at bourbon and beyond oh yeah and, and uh, for tickets, obviously those are on sale now. How much longer do folks probably have to get a ticket? So we always say the earlier you buy, the more you save. We operate on a price tier structure. The reason why we do that is to incentivize fans that want to buy early and know that they're going to come every year, that if they buy within the first 30 days, the lineup goes on sale. It's not really timed, but 
the sooner they do buy in the way that demand is, um, that they get that incentive of the cheapest price. So right now, I'm not going to say passes are going to sell out next week, but keep an eye out on the price tier. So depending on the pass type you're looking for, whether you want to come for one day or all four days, passes are limited, especially if you want that super VIP experience at our Angels Envy top shelf or beyond VIP. Those are almost sold out. If you want to have all-inclusive VIP experiences where you have hors d'oeuvres and free drinks with a shaded tent and air conditioned tent to go into, get those now. Like they'll be gone soon. But VIP as well. And then GA, we have a pretty big site. Um, so I would say you have a little bit more time. But again, the closer you wait to the festival, the more expensive it is and the risk you have of us selling out. Well, and we never want that. And folks, like I said, louder than life and bourbon and beyond are coming to Louisville once again in September. And Holly, thanks for, for sharing a little bit of your story and a little bit of the festivals as well. This has been a blast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.